Welcome. You're listening to a Mr. Thrive Media Production. Wow. I cannot get over this interview. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear peak performance executive coach and speaker Chris King talk about his book, Renegotiate Your Existence, on the podcast today. He has an incredibly colorful background, and I couldn't be more pumped for you guys to hear what Chris has to say about how he took his childhood and how he took his personal experiences and turned it into his expertise in his profession. Listen, if he can do it, you can do it. That is his entire message. It is inspiring, and you need to go listen to the episode because let me tell you right now, when you put your mind to it, when you apply yourself, when you realize that everything in your world is negotiable, you can do anything. And that is what Chris's message is here, and I am so excited for you guys to hear his story. Be sure to check out his book, Renegotiate Your Existence, available in the show notes of this episode. Also, in the show notes of this episode, you can sign up for our launch event on May 26th at 4 p.m. Pacific time. This event is a little bit of a surprise and a little bit of an anomaly in a lot of ways. What do I mean by that? Well, by a little bit, I'm kind of exaggerating or underplaying it, if you will, because it's actually a big deal. We're gonna have a surprise speaker, and as far as the event itself, we have an incredible announcement that is gonna change the course of the artist's upsurge forever. Be sure to sign up. Otherwise, let's get this show on the road. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. You have stumbled upon the Mr. Thrive Podcast, where together we discover established artist, peak performance executive coach, Chris King. Chris, welcome to the podcast. It is so great to have you here. It's kind of been a long time coming. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for being here. And again, like, like I want to thank you for just being so flexible with your time and giving us your most valuable resource. Again, your time. I'm not going to take that ever for granted. And it just means a lot. I know that our listeners are going to get a lot of value from what you're here to share with us today. Um, you're the head of Status Flow. Can you tell us what Status Flow is a little bit for a second? Yes, we are a coaching and training organization. We work specifically in the discipline known as Flow, what athletes call being in the zone or runner's high. You don't have to be an athlete. It's available to anybody. And this is how we get exponential increases in creativity and speed, how we eliminate stress. And we typically use fewer resources to do it all. Love that. I think that's so interesting. We're going to uncover further into the depth of that. You have a background in the entertainment field. You were in radio. So based on what I just said, I got to ask you, do you have any idea what I'm going to give you our quiz on our pop trivia quiz? Not really, no, which is right. as my best radio bits. I had no idea where we were going with it. So the, right. the rehearsed can stuff was fun, but it was never as good as when I had no idea what was happening. Right, right. Well, that's perfect. I'm really glad you have that attitude because today <laughs> I'm going to be giving you three pop quiz questions on Ryan Seacrest. Are you ready to go? Okay. <laughs> you know, I met Ryan. Right, right. That's why, that's why I'm, that's why I'm going to be. Uh, testing you on this. Yeah, so I found all right. I found three interesting trivia question, questions on Ryan Seacrest here. Seacrest. Okay. That's a really hard name to say. Ryan right? Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest. Okay. So question one. Ryan Seacrest survived a deadly attack from which animal? 
Was it A, a shark, B, a bear, C, a wolf, or D, the neighborhood stray dog? Oh, knowing Ryan, Ryan can be a little dramatic when he's playing, when he's playing it up. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the dog, the neighborhood dog. Neighborhood dog is incorrect. He actually was attacked by a shark, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. So he was on a vacation in Mexico and uh, he survived a shark attack. According to the host, he was on vacation. He felt something swim by him and that's when he was bit. So kind of crazy. I would not want to be him. All right. I spent a lot of time in Mexico, so I'll be on the lookout for shark. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Question two, which celebrity was Seacrest's role model? Was it? Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you got it. You nailed (laughs) it. It's only impressive if I was right. (laughs) Right, right. How'd you, how'd you know that? He was the heir apparent to Dick Clark with the the New Year's Eve, you know, the whole rock and Eve thing. But I, I think I remember talking about that with uh with him when i was in the studio with him like a million years ago but i there's something in my head that said that's the right answer well you got it right great job Look at that didn't, I, even, didn't even need the options never have we ever had someone answer with such confidence i had bud abbott jane ace and ed sullivan on there just to trip you up as well uh but but you nailed it out of the park nicely done oh wow uh question three which is the name What is the name of Ryan Seacrest's restaurant that he owns? Is it A, Botanical, B, The W, C, The Crest of Seafood, or D, Katana? Katana? Correct. Nicely done. So he is is an entrepreneur. Yeah, no, he's quite the entrepreneur, honestly. He's um, one of the hardest working men I've ever met. Really, really. Right. So, so you, you met him in the radio business, your experience in radio. When, when did you get into radio for starters? I think I got in, it was the early 2000s. Uh, I'm going to say around 2002, 2003, maybe. All right. Uh, I'm going to call you know, it 2003. Yeah. Right. And that was an incredibly fun time. But in that, how, how long into it did it take you to meet Ryan Seacrest? I met Ryan before I actually got started. It, it, Ryan was what sort of launched the career. I um, I sent an email, what I call an email grenade, like a joke grenade. I just throw it out there and forget about it because he was doing this thing. And so I sent in this joke grenade email and he and his co-host at the time, he was doing afternoon drive here in LA. They sent me an email back and they said, this is really funny. We want to build a bit around it. And so long, very long story short, they ended up building a month long bit around this thing. They had me in the studio one, one afternoon on a Friday afternoon. And I thought that was the most fun I'd ever have. This was amazing. I got home that night and, um, and, and from the stu- studios in Burbank and, um, and everything felt wrong. It, there was a fully embodied experience where I was in the wrong apartment, I was in the wrong town, I was in the wrong life. And that's when I decided I'm going to completely renegotiate everything about me on this planet. And that's when I went on a crazy, I just created this crazy vision. The very next day, um, that was on a Friday, on Monday morning, I got an email informing me that my job is being eliminated. And that was like, wow, I just made a decision to completely change my life. And the universe decided, yeah, let's make sure he doesn't change his mind back. Right. And uh, that's when I decided I'm going to completely transform my existence. Right. So 
I had a very similar experience back in 2020. I've talked about it on this podcast before. I call it burning your ships based mm -hmm. on the metaphor that uh, Hernando Cortez left us that so many people in business talk about to this day of burning your ships, leaving no plan B, only having a plan A, moving forward with that. That's exactly what you did. So I really respect that. You also said something that is a bit on the nose and I have to call you out for it. You said renegotiate. Tell us about why that word is uh, significant to you and what that has to do with status flow. Status flow exists because it, it, the, it, it is now what I started eight years ago, uh, almost nine years ago. I was living the uninspired life and in a job that was fine. It was fine. It was good. It was fine, but there was nothing, you know, fast forward two years, fine is just going to become this soul sucking life in this job that I was miserable in. And I learned after chasing down an impossible goal of becoming a radio DJ, which literally it's impossible. It's never going to happen. Let's even back then it was really hard. Um, and, and, and in a dying industry where people never leave those seats, it's not going to happen. And I learned um, through that experience and many others throughout my life that everything is negotiable. I mean, your job is negotiable, your salary is negotiable, your relationship is negotiable, your entire existence on this planet is negotiable. Because at the end of the day, the reality that you're experiencing is the end result of a system. And if you understand what that system is, you can hack it, recode it, and produce an entirely new reality. What's an example of most people's primary boundary when it comes to renegotiating your life? I can't because. As soon as because. they have that idea of like, oh, I'd really love to do this. The mm -hmm. very next thing is all the reasons. It's like a pull-down menu in the front of your brrr, It's just a long scrolling list. Here's all the reasons why you can't. And, and to which uh, I got to imagine you follow that up by saying, shut up. And then what do you say after that? Like, stop. Yeah, yeah. Because for the first thing, here's all the reasons why I can't, right? right. And then it's all the reasons why I shouldn't. If it, Because then if I if I dare to say, wait, maybe I can. Well, yeah, but here's all the, the, the ills that will befall. You're going to go break and you're going to go broke and your credit's going to go to crap and you're going to lose your relationship and you're going to be homeless and broken living on the street. Well, guess what? I did all that. You can't scare me with that anymore, okay? When I started this company, I was broken, homeless, and living out of my car because it was either that or go get a soul-sucking job that was going to create a great income that I was going to be a prison of. And I decided I'm not going to prison. So I went with broken, homeless. What is it internally in you that tells you that you'd rather live your own independent, rather scary life than something that's safe and reliable? I mean, you chose to be homeless as opposed to taking that reliable safety net. What, well, what, I had was, that, good what was that? What was that fire in your belly? Yeah. That, I've, I've been in prisons of my own mind before and, and I was not going back. No, the, the, I was just a hell no. The, people say, wow, how'd you make that choice? I didn't see it as a choice. Right. It was like, do you want to do you want to live the life of your dreams? Do you want to see what you can really do or do you want to phone it in that that's no choice? It was, you know, I'm reminded of when Steve Jobs went and visited uh, Sully at Pepsi because he wanted Steve wanted Sully to come on board at Apple. 
And he asked him that question, do you want to, do you want to sell sugar water the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? And in that moment, Sully couldn't say, how do you say no to that? You, right. That's, there's no choice there, right? But so, so many people do. So many people do say no to that kind of thing. So Sully did take a risk there. And then what happened? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, I don't know how many people know the story, right? But, you know, Sully ended up kind of screwing Jobs over and it got ugly, but Jobs ultimately got the last laugh, right? He came back. Um, but it it's not about the outcome, right? What we say in this work, you know, is there's, it's what we call, we have an acronym for it, FISA, full investment with zero attachment, right? You will never, in my experience, I have never regretted anything that I went 100 on. If I went full throttle, all out, went for it 100, win, lose, or draw, I never regretted it, right? It's the not going for it. It's the holding back. It's the going 70%, 80%, 98%. If you don't go 100, if you don't fill that last 2%, you're never going to forgive yourself. You will forgive yourself if you went 100 and it didn't work out. You will not forgive yourself if you don't go 100. That's my experience. There we go. And that is justification to spend that time, again, as you said, in a car. I mean, it must have been kind of scary to do that, but you had the faith in yourself. You knew that you had the capability to do so. And now look at you with status flow. It's thriving. It now has a book that just recently came out, Renegotiate Your Existence, Unlock Your Impossible Life. It's incredible. I really enjoyed the book. And I think that everyone needs to read it if they're looking to change their life today. So thank you. Yeah, it is. It, it is the toolbox. Here's some of the things you can start to do, you know, um, because you can, you know, I mean, I, I needed to completely renegotiate my existence a couple of times in this life, probably three. And sometimes it's desirable. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's necessary. Right. And for me, it was both. You know, one thing I think that is really tragic out there in this world is that there are some people who they're hardwired to you know, quite frankly, I'm going to say this very brutally here, but be a sheeple that they're just going to follow through the same steps. They're going to follow through with the ABC cookie cutter day-to-day -day life that, you know, their heritage did, whether it was their mother or their father, they, they, that was their role model that told them to always apply themselves and the safety net that is provided to them. Mm -hmm. I have, I meet people like that all the time mm -hmm. and I, I see it. It's something that I can point out right away. Uh, people like you and me, uh, Chris, we had to negotiate our lives. You've done it a few times. I've had to do it maybe, you know, I would say one and a half times because, you know, just, just going through the motions of growing up mm -hmm. is not really a big deal. But my big moment was 2020, right? That was my big transition. That's why I have what I have now, right? right? So we, we recognize that. So, you know, the, I know. I, you, you really can do anything, you know, I mean, I saw this great quote. Um, it's just entering my head right now. And I don't know where I first heard it. It said, people don't change when they see the light. They change when they feel the heat, mm. you know? And so for me, it was, the, you know, standing at the, at the crossroads, uh, you know, the, I got two paths here. I can learn how to sell insurance or do commercial real estate or whatever, or I can live a life on fire. And, you know, I, I'd rather fail at going going for something great than succeed at something mediocre. Um, you know, Brian Wilson, Beach Boys says, beware the lollipop of mediocrity. Lick it once and suck forever. There we go. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us then about 
how you got to this point, because we've kind of danced around a little bit of your life here and there. Where were you born? I was born and raised in a very small town called Santa Monica. <laughs> what? Where's yeah, that? born and raised in Santa Monica, California, <laughs> you know, okay. when it was a very laid back little beach town. It's a very different place now. Had a very, very beautiful neighborhood, a very privileged upbringing in a very scary house. And that was where it all started. <laughs> yeah. May I ask what made it a scary house? Uh, yeah, my my father had a very rough time. Um, my, my oldest sister died when she was 11 years old. And, you know, I, I mean, and, and I don't say like, you know, my father didn't handle it well. How do you handle that? Well, there's no well of handling the death of a child. Right. No. So, you know, my parents did the best they could and they were very hurt. Right. And, you know, my father was already what he would even call say is a very damaged person just because of his childhood. Right. Um, so I, I grew up in a house of grief and rage and abuse and addiction and abandonment. And I built my life on grief and rage and abuse and addiction and abandonment. And as you can imagine, that doesn't work very well. This is not exactly solid pillars. You know, it's not a great foundation to build a life. Mm -hmm. So after my own struggles with, you know, relationships and two failed marriages and addiction and rageaholic and you know, I finally decided one day that while none of my history, particularly as a child, was my fault, quote unquote, all of it was my responsibility. So maybe I need to get my shit together and and build my life. And that's what I did. But that's not to say that you blame yourself for anything that happened when you were a child. No, it's not about blame. I don't deal in a world of blame. Blame involves fault and fault involves involved victims. Somebody has to be at fault to blame. We don't play that game. We deal in the world of responsibility, right? Responsibility does not mean fault. Responsibility means ownership. If I take responsibility, if I take ownership of my life, I empower myself to affect it. If I just go, it's not my fault. I had bad parents or some bullshit like that then I'm just offloading my responsibility. It becomes a crutch. It's, it's an excuse for poor behavior. It's an excuse for not having success, right? And I get it. I have compassion for it. It's a question of, do you want to hang on to that? Do you want to be identified by that? Do you, do you want that to completely drive your life or do you want to succeed, right? So, that makes perfect sense. And all the while, while you were describing kind of the timeline of your, of your story here, despite the pain that exists and very much in theme with what you're describing, the one thing I picked up on is empathy for the other side. Yes. Where does that come from? That's a good question. My mother's very sensitive. She's, she's a sweet woman. Probably get, comes from that. Probably get a lot of that from my, my eldest sister, the one that died. She was a Downs child. So, and, and she was just all love. I think, I think what really landed for me was the difference between empathy and sympathy. I have no sympathy, zero. I have no tolerance for it. I have no interest in it. I don't want it from anybody because sympathy, feeling sorry for somebody else is very disempowering. It's like, oh, you poor thing because you can't handle whatever circumstance you're in. Empathy, that's a completely different thing because it does me no good and it does them no good to feel sorry for them. It does everybody good to have empathy and compassion. Very different and how do you practice empathy? You mean as a, like as a, uh, like an actionable tool? Like how does, what does that look like? Or you personally? 
how do you practice empathy for that? For me, it is being with somebody in the hole they're in, right? It's, it's reflecting back to them. Wow. That looks like you're having a really hard time. How are you doing? Can I support mm -hmm. you in that? What do you need? How can I, how can I show up for you here? You know, because a lot of times the support that we want isn't the support they want. So really attuning to that person um, and seeing because, again, they they may be having an experience that that we think they're having or that we think they should be having. It's like, what is the experience they are actually having? How do I attune to that and support them through that experience? Absolutely. And in your work with status flow, I imagine you have to practice empathy on a regular basis. Well, that, that shows up in a lot of ways. It sort of depends on who the client is, right? We have different kind of different boxes. There are three boxes that our clients fall into. There are the team engagements, which are small teams that are innovating. They're, they're doing something that they've never done before. They're just kind of the Wild West. The male, I, I'm going to use binary gender because it's statistically accurate and, and just a little bit easier here. So for the, for the sake of ease of argument here, our, our masculine or male, biologically male business owners, um, they, uh, they tend to be business owners and they're looking for more success, more, you know, how, however they define that. The third box are executive women, and they are typically overwhelmed, burned out, and kind of irritated with their spouse. Like that's that's a great client for us, and that's where most of the empathy comes in is when they are really their business or their life is running them instead of the other way around, right? Right, right. And is there an overarching theme that cures each and every one of them, or is it so individually? problematic for every person that you have to really white glove your approach to all these situations. Every client engagement is organic. Um, there's very little of what we do is boilerplate. It's like, okay, day one, we're going to start here. After that, we are constantly calibrating our compass to their magnetic north. Mm -hmm. What I tell clients, you know, and potential clients is that you are, you're not coming on board with our program at status flow. Okay you are taking us with you on your journey, wherever that takes us. Now, it might have mountains and forests and jungles and rivers and streams, and it might have gravel roads and dirt roads and asphalt roads with potholes. And We know how to navigate any terrain you bring, you, you take us to. But as far as where we're going, well, that's up to you. That makes perfect sense. And I like that you give them the power, you leave the power in their hands to really build it and you're just simply guiding them as opposed to doing it for them, which I think right. is a very powerful statement in itself. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, Thrivers, do you hear a certain difference in quality? That's because this podcast quality is made possible by Squadcast. Virtual recordings have become easier than ever with Squadcast studio quality SaaS remote recording platform. This cloud-based technology secures your files and minimizes post-production for all podcast producers. And I should know because I am one. Heighten the experience of your podcast by clicking the link in the show notes below. This podcast is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Mr. Thrive Media builds communities through its content marketing and networking events. During this pandemic, our dedicated team commits to the value of connection by producing podcast content while extending a helping hand towards artists and entertainment professionals. Mr. Thrive Media puts its values first by supporting small businesses and empowering emerging artists. 
For more information, visit www.mrthrive.com. That's mrthrive.com. And we're back. We're here today with Chris King of Status Flow. He was just giving us a whole, you know, brief summary of his story and really where that source of empathy comes from. It's honestly really inspiring stuff. I want to switch gears here and take the opportunity to talk about his book, Renegotiate, Renegotiate Your Existence, Unlock Your Impossible Life. What was it like creating this book? And was there any form of catharsis for you while writing it? That's a great question. That book, I've been noodling, maybe even threatening to write a book for the better part of a decade. And it wasn't until I sat down with, with my co-author, Michael Ashley, that because the, the, the problem that I've had in marketing with the book was that we have a lot of content, like a ridiculous amount of content. And so I was having a hell of a time trying to structure it and get it. You know, the marketing people say, thanks, you guys have an, an insane amount of content. We're just trying to get it all screwed together, right? So the book was very much like that. There was so much noise in my head. It wasn't until Michael and I sat down where he was basically able to extract what needed to be in there, lay it out for me. It's like, great, now we have a great outline. He's like, cool, now we can now we can get in the writing of this thing. And so, um, but I had, I had pretty much, everything that's in that book, I had pretty much figured out by now kind of thing. So, um, and again, it's a toolbox. I mean, that's really what it is. Here's, here are some case studies. Here's some examples. Here's some neuroscience and, and some science as to why this stuff works. But ultimately it's like, look, start here, here are some toys you get to play with and start seeing what you can do in terms of pivoting your life in a new direction. And I'm going to, I'm going to use a funny phrase here. You kind of, to me, it sounds like the book really is like a Batman utility belt of just information and facts that really help people uh, grow and whatnot. Where does that information, where does that knowledge and wisdom come from in your background? Oh, wow. Um, everywhere. Um, I've leveraged everything, everything I have, everything I've done, everything I've been, everything I am uh, to, and, and with the intention of making it to my betterment, to my benefit, to my growth. Right. So I, I understood what flow was because I, I raced go-karts when I was a kid, I was going to be a race car driver. I played ice hockey. I'm a mountain bike guy. I was a BMX kid. Like I, I understand what being in the zone means. Um, it wasn't until much later that I start that I learned the science behind it. And I, um, I worked in the Neuroscience Institute of a hospital for a while, so I got an accidental education in, in neurobiology. I started training and collaborating with uh, Stephen Kotler's organization, the Flow Research Collective, with Jamie Wheel's organization, the Flow Genome Project. I still currently actively train with uh, retired Navy SEALs, and their whole worlds are built around flow. So it was just this massive cauldron of personal experience of education of you know trainings webinars workshops i threw it all into a cauldron and set it on fire and that became status flow <laughs> and, and and hold on one second you're just going to gloss over navy seals what, what are you doing with navy seals well we do a little bit of everything we'll do <laughs> i got I, I got into this organization that uh features uh retired seals and it's a, a lot of it is mindset training but then there's the physical aspect you know and so there's a lot of there's like emergency medical there's hand-to-hand -hand combat and yes there are a lot of guns because these situations are filled with what we call flow triggers okay if you're gonna if you're gonna create a life around being in the zone or life around flow and really make the impossible a reality maybe even make the unimaginable 
a reality, you're going to need flow to do it. So you can install these flow triggers into your life. And I'll give you an example of a couple of flow triggers. Passion is one of them. Okay. You got to love what you're doing. If you don't have, if you're not passionate about whatever you're doing, you're not going to get into flow. It needs to have novelty, right? There needs to have some variance in what's going on. Complete concentration. There needs to be some risk involved because risk has a neurochemical cocktail that is associated with it. And risk creates a level of focus, right? So there's all of these flow triggers and there are activities like surfing, like firearms, like, uh, you know, I mean, you name it, mountain climbing, and, and not all of them are physical, right? I mean, you might be playing the drums, I guess that's physical, um, <laughs> but writing, right? You can be a writer and you can get into these flow states. And this is where your creativity goes through the roof, right? It's where it's where it just seems like it's happening on its own, where it's just flowing through you, right? You don't even realize time passes, you know? Right. So it's all about having those flow triggers and training with the seals is filled with them. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine. And that explains why you are so goddamn fit. Um, cause you are, you are a healthy guy. I, that wasn't, that was one of the first things I noticed about you. And, uh, I mean, first of all, you should be proud of that. And second of all, what, a, what a fascinating program for sure. It sounds like it's very empowering and very, uh, helpful with balance in the sense that it's passing on the wisdom that only a select few get to practice and kind of bringing it to a commercial level where an average guy like you and me can go forward and kind of live their best life. Um, kind of honing in on those different areas for sure. Let me ask you this, Chris. If there's one thing that you want people to take away from your book, what would, what, what stands out most to you? What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? See, your thinking has got you to where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And just like we said before, you know, all that, the laundry list of all the reasons you can't do something. What if you're wrong? Like, what if this is just a story? that you're telling, right? What if the, the unimaginable life, the impossible life you want, the, the one that you've been telling yourself you can't have, what if the thing you've been telling yourself you can't do, I could never climb that mountain. I could never learn how to speak that language. I could never learn how to do that. It's too late. I'm too old. I just... What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? And how do you know when you're right? Well, you find out. I mean, you take take a step in that direction, right? Like there's there's some there. You know what? Byron Katie has this thing called the work. She uh, Byron Katie is the author, and uh, in Byron Katie's the work, she's got these brilliant four questions, right? Whenever whenever something comes up, oh, I can't do this, or this is impossible, whatever it is, she says, um, you know, question number one is, is this true? Right. Well, yes, it's true. That's my experience. Yeah. According to the neocortex. Yeah, I get it. That's your, that's your ongoing calculation of your experiences. Yes. Okay. This is true. Question number two, can you absolutely know that this is true? Now, when you put the word absolute in there, the wheels start to come off. Very little is absolute, right? Never, always, the absolutes kind of nonsense. So right there, can I absolutely know for a fact that even, I mean, even if it's never worked in the past, can you say unequivocally that it won't work this time? Not necessarily, right? Because there are control factors. So question number three, what happens when I tell this story? And then question number four, who would I be without that story? Hmm. So when you get to, no, I could never learn to play the piano because I'm too old. What if you're wrong? Okay, number one, can you absolutely know that's true? 
well, no, I guess other people older than me have learned how to play the piano. Okay, great. So question one and two are off the table already. Question three, what happens when you tell that story? I live a muted life. I don't get creative self-expression. I'm not being who I am. I'm not doing what I love. It affects how I show up in the world. It affects my neurochemistry, my brainwaves, blah, blah, blah. Who would I be without that story? Oh my gosh, I might, I'd be lighter. I'd be more fun. I'd be more joyous. I'd be more grateful. I'd be whatever, right? So dare to be wrong. And I ask clients, I, like the, I ask them this often, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? Do you want to be right or do you want to win? Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Do you want to be right or do you want to get what you say you want? You know, there's a parallel with what I preach to a lot of my clients on a regular basis. It's so interesting that you say that. I've been having this conversation with a lot of my clients that I do consulting for in the past month where I've been telling them, let's make a piece of content that stands out that is unique, right? We've been doing these interview style shows, but when's the last time you stepped away from your professional persona and you got uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. When's the last time that you put yourself in the place to be vulnerable and you mm-hmm. shared something personal about yourself? You know, Chris, you're here on the show talking about your child abuse. You know, you're here setting yourself aside by putting out pathos that people can relate to. You know, you have ethos, pathos, and logos here, mm-hmm. right? And I talk about that all the time with my clients. My demonstration is as follows. I draw a smiley face on a piece of paper, and I tell them an entire story about that smiley face. And they get attached to that smiley face until I rip it in half. And I explain to them that's how pathos works. Right. And so how can we create that emotional connection? How can we explain that you're not just a business and a personality that has some sort of authority in this field, but you actually have a heart with blood pumping through it with full of emotions, Mm -hmm. you know, that you actually have endorphins in you that have an impact on how you react to certain things. You know, these are real human beings that we work with on a regular basis. These are not just numbers on a chart that tell us how many downloads we have, but these are each individual brains and hearts with individual missions and mindsets and hopes and dreams of their own and aspirations. So let's appeal to that. You know, I was just telling a client recently, like, okay, you just had a really tough month because your husband got hurt and had to do surgery. Why aren't you talking about that? That has to do with your line of work. Why? Because it's you to get out there. Get uncomfortable. I'm a big believer in seeking discomfort. That's why I've talked about yes theory before on this on this podcast. I think I've talked about yes theory with you, but their motto is seek discomfort. They're this YouTube channel. They have a podcast. You know, they're a really great group of guys uh, based in Venice Beach, California, who go all over the world mm-hmm. with that mentality of what if we were wrong? Right. And if you hear the story about how they created their their company and their foundation you'll know they were picking up scraps for a long time, but at least they were doing it fulfilling. So I think there's a parallel between, you know, us three, Yes Theory, Chris King, and Chaz Volk here. And I really, really respect, respect that. And uh, I, think that's, I think that's really neat. So I, I just want to say thank you, Chris, for sharing all of that and being vulnerable here on this podcast with us. Well, my pleasure. I mean, that's, that's where the magic happens, you know? I mean, that's, but yeah, get uncomfortable. You know, you gotta you gotta risk it. I mean, look look at all the stories that would not have happened if we'd have just said, nope, can't be done. I'm right. Right. You know, what if you're wrong? Look at Ford v Ferrari. Ferrari's unbeatable. There is, is a racing dynasty. Yeah, you're right. Great, no story. 1980, right. Lake Placid, the U.S. versus the Russians. Right. 
right. the Russian professional team, like the national team against these bunch of kids barely out of high school. Like, no, they're just too good. We'll never beat them. Okay. End of story. End of story. No miracle. No miracle. Right? <laughs> if, and to your point, burning the boats, if you look, if you refuse to quit, you cannot fail. It's that simple. There are only two things my organization doesn't do, quit and fail. It's a powerful statement. And I really, really respect the dedication to that mission. Quick spitball questions for you before we sign off on today's podcast interview. I'm ready. Out of all, you, you've had a colorful resume of work that you did in the past. What was your, what was your favorite job that has nothing to do with today? <laughs> I worked at a pizza place. You worked at a pizza place? It was the best, man, because we were, I mean, we were just, we were young and stupid. And oh. and the things that we did, I mean, just between the sauce and the dough fights and whatever, but we just, we had a lot of fun, <laughs> right? Now, granted, we may have run that place into the ground and it's really important to have fun. If that's if that's something that is a, is a value to you, that is a quality because- it has a dramatic impact on your neurochemistry, on your brainwaves and feelings drive actions, right? You're just, you're going to be better, do better, perform better when you're in a better mood. And the more fun you can have, the more your mood elevates, you know, the longer your mood is with you, it becomes a temperament. Your temperament becomes your personality. I mean, that just have fun, man. Love that. Love that. And another spitball question. You like to travel a lot. You said you just came back from Mexico What's been your most memorable vacation to date? Oh, wow. Um, most memorable. The one that comes to mind is Alaska. Went up to Alaska and we're, we stayed at an old mining community and did glacial, glacier climbing and hiking and horseback riding. And, you know, it didn't get very dark in Alaska at that time of year, but it was so beautiful and so connected to nature, you know, sometimes we, I think we in the city really forget to, to reconnect and, um, and it's hugely important. I love that. And actually I'm about to go to Alaska this July. So I'm really glad oh, you said that. Appreciate awesome. the advice. Final spitball question. Are you ever going to write a second book? And if so, what will that be the subject of? That's a very interesting question. I'm going to say the answer is yes. There will definitely be another book. It's probably going to go a lot deeper. It's going to be somewhere. I mean, it's it's going to involve a little bit more of the science-y part and, and get into kind of the, the quantum mechanics of this stuff and, you know, deal with things that everybody's heard of law of attraction and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's going to, uh, and it's going to be, very um, illustrative. It'll have the same quality, the same flavor as working with me one-on-one. The organization and my coaching in particular has evolved quite a bit, particularly over the last 18 months to two years. And so it's gotten much deeper, much faster, much more intense. Um, And so I'd like the book to be reflective of that, to really take somebody on a journey who's really ready. I can't wait to hear it. That's really, really exciting. Thanks. So, Chris, if someone listening to this podcast right now wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way they can reach out? Yeah, the website is statusflow.net. Uh, Instagram is good. We're uh, at the status flow. 
uh, or you can email us velocity at statusflow.net. Epic. All that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. And finally, Chris, the question I ask everybody, everybody who's been on this podcast, what will you be famous for? <laughs> Disruption, for sure. Um, when, when all through grammar school, my teachers told me that I was disruptive and I couldn't agree more. I will be known for breaking molds, breaking rules, changing directions. That's, that's, that's my jam. What an awesome paradigm shift on a comment that typically isn't positive at all. Chris King, everyone, thank you so much for being on this podcast. This has really been an exciting interview and I'm really glad we finally got to do this. So thanks again. Really appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. This podcast releases bi-weekly on Fridays. To attend one of our networking events, visit the registration link in the show notes or go to www.mrthrive.com. Would you like to be a guest on our show? Email chaz at mrthrive.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>